copy of God's Word with you. Let me invite you to open with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. The Gospel of Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a, a hard copy of God's Word in front of you and you'd like one to look off of as I preach this morning, just slip up your hand. We've got extras in the back and church members are willing to bring you one. Mark chapter 4, and we will begin reading in verses 26 through 34 here in just a moment, and we'll pray for understanding. But as you guys are turning there, I just want to point you to the reality that the Bible is a stunningly beautiful book. Is a glorious diamond which God has given us. And each way we turn it and examine it and look at it, we find it glistening in different ways that we have not seen before. In fact, the whole story of the Bible could be told by a number of themes that are woven in and out of God's story from in the beginning God in, generation, in, in the book of Genesis all the way to come, Lord Jesus, amen, in the book of Revelation. You could tell the story of the Bible through the themes of light and darkness, sacrifice, a priesthood, a temple, the image of God, God's people, the covenants. I mean, you could tell the story of the Bible with one theme from beginning to end in a number of ways. But if you were forced to pick just one theme to try to tell the story of what God's been doing from Genesis to Revelation, that theme would have to be the theme of the kingdom of God. See, in Genesis when God created the universe and he created the world and he put people in the world, God was creating a kingdom, a world which he alone was the rightful ruler. And he employed humanity to serve him as representatives of the king's glory, the king's rule and authority. In fact, kings in ancient history would would symbolize the extent of their reign by setting up statues that portrayed the image of the king. And wherever you saw the statues, you knew that this was the jurisdiction of the king. But God, when he made the world, did not set up immovable statues that resembled his image. He created human beings made in the image of God. And he said, go therefore and be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. Human beings are the living, moving representations of the image of God, which shows this is God's jurisdiction here. He is the king over this universe, which he has made, and he rules it with the authority of his word. His word is the law of the land. When God said, let there be light, there was light. When God said, let there be vegetation, there was vegetation. When God said, let there be animals, there were animals. When God spoke it, his word accomplished it. And his creation obeyed it. Stars obeyed him. The sun obeyed him. Mountains obeyed him. The waves obeyed him. The animals from the smallest to the largest obeyed him. Until humanity didn't. Humanity, in Genesis chapter 3, sinned against the creator. They sinned against the king. 
You see, Adam and Eve's sin was more than a mistake. It was a rebellion, and it was an attempt to take over a throne that was not rightfully theirs. You remember Satan deceived Eve by saying, if you eat of this, you'll be like God. You'll be in charge. You'll run the show. You'll sit on the throne. And thus, that sin ushered into the world man's competing kingdom. And with it came sin and death and brokenness. And all of us, by our very nature, are throne seekers. (laughs) We want to sit on a throne that is not rightfully ours. And that is rightfully God's. And the rest of the Old Testament story, the story that the Old Testament tells, makes two big points over and over and over again. Firstly, man's kingdom stinks. Like it's really, really bad. When man tries to set up a king over the people, it's bad for the people. In fact, man's kingdom deserves God's wrath. King God should just trample the kingdom of man for their sorry attempt of trying to take control of a world they didn't create. Secondly, the Old Testament story tells of a promise that God has a plan to set someone on the throne who will rule forever and ever and ever, and the kingdom of God will overtake the kingdom of man. And the original creation will be restored to its former glory and even better than what it was before the fall. That's the message of the Old Testament. That's the story of the Bible. But the New Testament takes a turn and the message of the New Testament is simple. Jesus is that king. God the Son embodied human flesh that he might conquer the enemies of sin and death and establish a kingdom on earth forever. And this is why, and now we're to the Gospel of Mark, (laughs) this is why in Mark chapter 1, the first words out of Jesus' mouth that we read, the first message he was proclaiming, show up in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, and they say, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The good news is that the king came. And that you have an opportunity to transfer your citizenship. From a kingdom that will be destroyed for eternity to a kingdom that will go on for eternity. And what you must do to transfer the citizenship is to repent and follow the king. To believe that Jesus really is Lord of all and the one who will rule and reign forever. And as we proceed through the Gospel of Mark, and we've looked at these parables over the last few weeks, we learn that this kingdom expansion plan is a process. That God did not do it immediately with Jesus' coming. He, he did bring the kingdom into the world, but there is a sense in which we're still waiting on it to be finalized. But in the meantime, God's expanding that kingdom, and he's expanding that kingdom with every individual who steps off of the throne of their own life and puts Jesus there. 
And so he expands it, and he, he's, he's working it. For, and, and, and that's just why Jesus, at the end, he tells his disciples to be his witnesses and to, to go, therefore, and make disciples and to do it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Where there's a ex- kingdom-expanding project happening that God is working, and he intends to involve you in it. It appears that Jesus intends to grow this kingdom of God through the word that is preached, and by people rightly responding to that word. And this is why last week, in Mark chapter 4, verse 23, you have Jesus saying this, If anyone has ears, let him hear. Verse 24 of Mark chapter 4, Pay attention to what you hear. The kingdom expands to hearers of the word of God. And the parables that Jesus provides us here in Mark chapter 4, they're they're not only to explain what's happening in his own word-sharing ministry. They're meant to instruct and encourage us in how we join in on the kingdom-expanding work by doing word-sharing ministry, by, by, by sharing the truth that Jesus is the king of the world who came to die the death for all the rebels in the world. And raise again on the third day to offer them an opportunity to join the winning side of the equation. The kingdom of God. And so that's a long introduction. Because the phrase the kingdom of God (laughs) that's used in the passage we read this morning is packed in the middle of a giant story. about the kingdom of God. And so now as we transition to look at these two little bitty parables that Jesus gives us to help us grasp what's happening in the kingdom expanding ministry, you need to know what the kingdom is and what the work is. And so now with all of that introduction, let's read verse 26. This, and, 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 and I, man, these parables, they're here to encourage you in the work that we're all involved in. And expanding the kingdom. So, so, so look at this. Verse 26. And Jesus said. The kingdom of God is as if. A man. Should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps. And rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. And he knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade. And then the ear. Then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once. He. He puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it it grows up and it becomes larger than all the garden plants and it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand these parables about the kingdom of God and what it is you're doing through Jesus in this passage, but through this church, in this place, in this moment. What is Jesus doing right now, God? Help us to be encouraged to do the work of the ministry 
Help us, God, by the, by the power and the encouragement of your word, spur us on to persevere. God, for the people that are wasting their lives in this room, give them a vision of, of what you might do through their lives, God. Help them not to waste another day on the things of the kingdom of man that will be destroyed in the end. God, make us a kingdom people, Father. And thank you for, man, just letting us be a part of it. And I pray that you would just let me be a part of it even in this moment and that you would speak the power of your word with clarity by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 26. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now again, Jesus is using a parable of seed sowing. He's already done this earlier in Mark chapter 4. The seed in this analogy we saw a couple weeks ago, it is the word of God. It's the message of Jesus that he's the king who came to die the death we deserved and raise again to give us eternal life we could never earn. Mark chapter 4 verse 14, the sower sows the word. The seed in the parable is the word of God. We scatter the word of God and this is how God plans to expand his kingdom. Truth number one, our job in the kingdom of God is to scatter the seed of God's word. Our job in the kingdom of God is to scatter the seed of God's word. Do you want to serve God? <laughs> Do you want to be a part of something that's, that's bigger than your 401k? That's, that's bigger than the fleeting pleasures that you think will satisfy you that leave you empty the next morning. Do you want to stop wasting your life? This, this parable suggests that what it is we're employed to do, what it is that God has for us in, in expanding God's kingdom and not our kingdom is to, to scatter the seed of God's word. If you're a Christian here this morning, God has uniquely created you, uniquely gifted you, and God has uniquely placed you in fields of people who need the word of God in their lives. He's placed you in fields of people that other people have no access to. Your age, your gender, your job, your relationship, status, your living arrangement, your financial position, your ethnicity, your interest are not accidental attributes that just make you you. They're intentional results of the providence of God that make you uniquely suited to share the word of God in fields of people who desperately need the good news of the kingdom of God. You, you, you live in fields of people that I don't have access to. And you have the seed of the word of God, which is the difference maker for people's eternities, whether they hear it or reject it. And how will they hear it unless you proclaim it? Last week we saw in Mark chapter 4 that Jesus said, pay attention to what you hear. And he says, those who have even more will be added to them, and those who have not even what they have will be taken away. Scattering the seed of God's word and having someone hear it and respond to it affects the eternity of an individual 
It affects which kingdom they will be a part of. And, and wow, this, this, this parable, and, and you really think about how we join what God's doing in the world, it's not complicated. We overcomplicate what God's invited us to do. Now, I'm not going to say it's easy. It, 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 it's not easy. It is, it is hard, and in some countries, it will get you killed. But, I, but it's not complicated. We listen to what God says in his word. We read his, the Bible daily. We listen to it in sermons and books and small groups. We hear it, and we listen to it not only for ourselves, but we listen to it for the sake of others. We are not ultimately consumers of God's word this morning. We're reproducers of it. You take what you hear and you share it with others. If you come every Sunday morning and you listen to sermons only for how it will affect your life, you're listening in the wrong way. You, you listen to sermons, one, for how it will affect your life, and then how it will overflow from your life into the lives of other people who desperately need what you're hearing from the word of God. So, you, so this is what we do. This is what we do as the people of God. We speak true things about God from his word to people. We speak it to our children, to our neighbors, our coworkers, the waitress at the restaurant you always go to. You intentionally get together to speak it to brothers and sisters here in this church for their growth so that, so that they can speak the word of God in fields of people that you have no access to. Our job in the kingdom of God is to scatter the seed of God's word. Now look back at the parable, verse 27. So the farmer scatters the seed of the word of God. That's what he does. And look at verse 27. Now what's he do? Verse 27, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces it by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full of grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Truth number two, and this is the big point of the whole parable. Parables often have really one big point. Truth number two, God grows the kingdom. So, so when we share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, when we share the word of God with others, we plant seeds like a farmer and and all we're supposed to do is to speak what is true. That's the planting of seeds. In fact, all we can do is speak what is true. Farmers can't make it rain outside. Farmers can't make the sun shine. Farmers can't make a seed sprout or grow healthy or bear fruit. Farmers plant the seed and then they go to sleep. And then they wake up, and then they go to sleep, and then they wake up. And there are processes taking place totally independent of the farmer's power so that when the seed sprouts up, the farmer doesn't even fully understand the intricacies of the biological process that's taking place under the ground. He just starts to notice a little bit of green stuff pop out of the ground. And he, he goes to sleep and he wakes up, and he's just hoping the next day there's a little bit more green stuff popping out of the ground. And then at the end of the process, the farmer reaps the benefit of the harvest and enjoys what has taken place. So the point of the analogy is clear. And this will free you up to have joy 
as you, you strive in the kingdom of God to, to expand the kingdom, we are freed from the expectation of productivity in the kingdom of God. We are freed from the expectation of ministry success. We are freed from the pressure to convert people to Christianity or to change people's minds by our winsomeness or our cleverness or by the way that we speak. Our responsibility is to sow the seed. And God grows it. He's the one who who opens the ears of the deaf, enlightens the eyes of the blind, softens the heart of the hardened. And I want you to notice how Jesus conveys in the parable time passing by. This process is not a quick flash-in-the-pan process. God's work of kingdom expansion into the lives of those around us and in our own life will often feel very slow. It will often feel so slow you don't even notice the growth in someone else or in yourself until you look back at where you started. God and, man, parables like this, for me as a 24-year-old when I first came to pastor this church, these were so important for me. Because I, I felt the pressure of the world like, like, like to, to, to somehow see this church explode into growth and like just have tons of people. And God graciously relieved me of so much burden and pressure to see the church grow. I felt when I was younger, when I was really young, I felt like every time I preached that like Acts 2 was supposed to happen. Like flames of fire were supposed to fall on the people and the spirit was going to come and we were going to baptize all of St. Rose. There are 15,000 people in St. Rose. They baptized 3,000 in one day so we'd be done with this joint in five days, right? And so when I got up to preach, I preached like a dying man to dying people and if it didn't happen today, it ain't ever going to happen. And for sure God sometimes does that, Right? But his normal working, his daily kingdom expanding, is not necessarily seen in the one sermon, in that one moment. It's seen in the 500th sermon. As God's people sit under the word of God, and they sprout a little, and they grow a little, and you go to sleep, and you wake up, and then all of a sudden you look, and you remember where you started, and you see what only God could have done. It's not the one week of reading your Bible daily. It's the 10 years of reading your Bible daily. This is our ministry as, as just small parts in the kingdom of God work. We plod along day to day trying to be faithful to teach the word of God to ourselves and to those around us. And we trust God to bring the growth in our life and in the life of our loved ones. So if you're here this morning and you're discouraged with your own spiritual growth, <laughs> you're here this morning and you're discouraged with the growth of someone you're trying to disciple. If you're discouraged with your evangelism efforts with someone in your family or a friend or a neighbor, let me just encourage you with this reality. You can't make it rain. You can't make the sunshine. You can't make a seed grow. But what you can do is scatter the seed of the word of God and wait on him so that he gets all the glory when he does it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 
verse 5, Paul says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you've believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Our job in the kingdom of God is to scatter the seed of God's word. Truth number two, God grows the kingdom. Now in verse 30, Jesus transitions to another parable, shedding light on the same ministry we're all caught up in. So look at verse 30. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all the garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that birds of the air can make nests in its shade with many such parables. He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Now, like many of the parables of Jesus, they're stories that make one big point. And this is the one big point that this parable is making about the kingdom of God. Truth number three. God does big, glorious things through small and seemingly insignificant things. I'll say it again because it's a little long. It might take you a little while to write it down. God does big, glorious things through small and seemingly insignificant things. So Jesus points us to the smallest of seeds, mustard seeds that are so small that the birds could just swallow them up very quickly after they being scattered. But when that seed takes root, it grows into a tree so large that the birds who once could eat that seed are now finding rest and refuge in the branches of the tree that it created. The parable is a picture of a great reversal. The small seed which the birds could eat as a snack becomes the tree in which they find shelter from the storm. And this parable is consistent with the way in which God does stuff from Genesis to Revelation. God is the God of great reversals. He's constantly a God who works in the small and seemingly insignificant to accomplish the big and the glorious. I mean, if you just track the Old Testament story, God is not interested in, like, the dude that can do everything. Like, the big, awesome, strong, like, like gifted beast to, to accomplish what God does. King David was the runt of the family, and through, through whom God slays Goliath. Now, why is he the runt of the family? Because nobody would have believed that it was David that actually killed Goliath. It was God. <laughs> and God graciously used David. Israel, the smallest nation, uh, uh, suffering enslavement. Through them, God blesses the world. Moses, a stuttering scaredy cat and a murderer on the run. And through him, God delivers his people. The walls of Jericho fall not by some mighty act of valor with dudes running in there, but God commands them just to march around that thing and sing a little and blow some trumpets. And then the walls fall. God tells Gideon to intentionally take less soldiers into battle. But most importantly, Jesus himself 
takes the form of what in the world's eyes is a mustard seed in order to establish the expansive tree, which is the kingdom of God. The God of the universe, with all his cosmic power, could have accomplished the kingdom of God in any way he determined, and God chose to empty himself. He chose that the Son of God be born in a tiny, fragile, crying, finite baby in a trough to an impoverished family. God chose for Jesus to live a a life in which he worked a day job for most of his life. As a carpenter, he would grow up not to conquer by raising a large army and just like marching into the Roman Empire. Rather, he would humbly allow himself to be falsely accused, flogged, and crucified. He would conquer by allowing himself to be conquered. Through an act of humiliation and self-sacrifice, he takes on himself the sin of the world, the penalty of death, and through the act... Of crucifixion, he paved the road to resurrection and victory over the grave. From the world's perspective, Jesus' very personhood was just a mustard seed. The people, when they heard that he came from Nazareth, said, Is there anything good that comes from Nazareth? When he would proclaim in his hometown, they would say, Isn't this Jesus? Like, does he, don't we know his brothers? He seems inconsequential. He seems small. Like, like how could this be the way God's building the kingdom? Nothing externally points us to anything glorious about him. But what Jesus did was take the ultimate step of humility in the history of creation and in his resurrection. He ascends to the highest place of exaltation. God is the God of great reversals. He brings about big, glorious things through small, seemingly insignificant things. And that's true of the way in which Jesus ushered in the kingdom of the world. And it's true in the way that he now expands it to the ends of the earth. We are just mustard seeds in this thing, right? Our ministry are just mustard seeds in this thing. We we do very little. We're capable of very little. And Paul is sure to remind you of that because your biggest problem is that your heart wants to sit on the throne, right? So as you're involved in the kingdom work, you need to be reminded that you're not on the throne. You're pointing people to the ones who's on the throne. And so Paul writes things like in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise. (laughs) According to worldly standards, not many of you were powerful, not many of you were noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring about, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption and verse 31 so that here's the reasoning for why God works this way so that as it is written let the one who boasts boast in the Lord it is amazing thing that Jesus chose in three years of his public ministry to spend so much of it with 12 dudes Jesus chose a ragtag group of uneducated sinners and fishermen and tax collectors to lead the kingdom of God into the first century. And he's chosen this ragtag group of sinners in this place to lead it into the 
21st century. And we lead it not necessarily with big, grand, amazing, flashy feats for the glory of King Jesus. We lead it with mustard seed-like faithfulness to sow the word in the fields God's placed us. God has just graciously given many of us here at St. Rose Community Church the opportunity to just watch this parable come to life. I mean, six years ago this month, I came to preach here on a hot July day, and there were four people in this room, all of them over 70s, unable to pay the light bill, unable to pay the insurance on the building, thinking that God was done with this community. And a small, ragtag group of people <laughs> just moved into the community and, and we just began to sow the word of God into any field the Lord would open up to us. In, just trying to find any open field to, sh to scatter some seed. The Howling Pepper was a great field down the street because it served po'boys too, right? So we go down there, you could get a po'boy and you could scatter some seed around. Right? To some people. We did not have a lot of money. We did not have a lot of experience. We did not have a lot of support. We did not have the best facilities or the best music or the best programming. We did not have some grand outreach strategy or prospectus on how we were going to get this thing done. We were a little group of people who did some little things faithfully, and God began to grow the kingdom of God in this community. Not all at once. We didn't baptize 100 people spontaneously and throw a big flag and like shoot off a horn or something like that. We simply moved in the neighborhood. We prayed, we taught the gospel, we met some people, we taught them the gospel, we prayed a little more, we taught the gospel some more, we prayed, we went to sleep, and we woke up, and we went to sleep, and we woke up, and we just sowed some seed in some fields. And we watched, and we are watching, and Almighty God bring growth to a church by His grace and for His glory. We're in a moment in, like in our faith family where we're seeing more people come. And as we grow as a church, man, things get more complicated because more ministry doors open, more fields become accessible to us, but nothing changes about the strategy. We will grow as a church and send out more churches as, as much as our church members patiently and faithfully sow the word of God in the seemingly insignificant moments in their lives, and in the fields of influence God has placed them. And man, as we do, we're just along for the ride. We get to see God push the glory of the best conceivable news in the universe, into communities, like, like, like down St. Rose Avenue, down Oak Street, into Preston Hollow, into 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Street, into Diane's place. Man, they just built a park in the back of 1st, 2nd, 3rd Street with basketball goals. That was, a, that was a community I could never get into in the past to build any relationships. Now, that's just a field that God's like, hey, here, go play some basketball and, and scatter some seed. They're stamped at down the road right now. They don't, it's, not, it's not po boys, now it's uh, chicken wings, but I can go get chicken wings and scatter some seed. River Market, right down the street on River Road, right there in front of Benura. That's a community I have a hard time getting into, that I go knocking on doors. They look like I'm crazy, but they got good po' boys there. Get a po' boy and scatter some seed. It's not complicated. 
It's not easy, but it's simply glorious to get to be a part of what God is doing. It's my hope and dream that God might graciously grow us to be a kingdom-expanding church so that we just get 10 years from now, we get to see the branches of the kingdom of God go from St. Rose to Luling to Laplace, all the way to Southeast Asia. And at the end of it, it says, somebody says, what's the secret? What did what, what, you do? We taught the word and prayed, and God gave the growth as he saw fit. And sometimes it felt really, really slow. <laughs> and that's okay, because we weren't worried about productivity. We were worried about being faithful with the little things God gave us. Because slowness, our version of slowness, <laughs> is, not, is not God. So let me, so let me give uh, three, three truths. Uh, this is where we've been, and then we'll have a few takeaways. Number one, our job in the kingdom of God is to scatter the seed of God's word. Truth number two, God grows the kingdom. Truth number three, God brings about big, glorious things through small and seemingly insignificant things. So what are we to take away all of this from all of this? Let me give you four quick takeaways. Number one, scatter the seed of the word in your field. Take some time to look around at the opportunities before you and consider how God may have actually placed you in this season of life so that you might sow the word of God in places no one else has access to. Consider your relationships in the church and outside the church, places you frequent, acquaintances you have who need Jesus. Scatter the seed of the word in your field. Truth number two, or takeaway number two, be faithful with the small things. So many people miss opportunities with the small things because they have their eyes set on some big things, which actually make much of them, not much of God. So, so God is opening small doors for you to walk through every day. There's an opportunity for you every day. Steward the small things. Have the spiritual conversation. Do the devotional with your kids, even though it doesn't seem like they give a rip about what's happening. They're like ripping pages out of the Bible, and you're like, uh, be peaceful. And <laughs> like, like just, but, but do it every day, because it's not the one devotional that will make the difference. It's the 18 years of the devotionals that will make the difference. Take the teaching opportunity seriously. Read the Bible daily. Take notice of that one person who's left out and undiscipled. Meet with the group of men or, or women weekly just to hold each other accountable. It's the small things done faithfully every day, every week to sow the word of God that will grow up into a tree that gives shade to the lost. Uh, takeaway number three, be patient. Be patient. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. Listen, impatience and discontentment are just expressions of faithlessness. I'll say it again, because it hurt, and you don't want to hear it. Impatience and discontentment are expressions of faithlessness. They are products of our false belief that God has looked the other way and is not giving our situation the attention it deserves. 
simply because it's not being resolved in the manner that we would like, nor at the pace we would prefer. The Lord is not slow when it comes to the way in which he plans to use us to expand the kingdom of God, nor is he dumb, nor does he need your advice or your contribution. Be patient. Mustard seeds don't become trees quickly. And takeaway number four, be humbled. This whole parable is meant to remind you that you're not the king of the kingdom. Jesus is. And Jesus made this very profound and often forgotten claim tucked away in some hard verses that people debate a lot about. But Jesus said these words very clearly. I will build my church. He's building it. And we have the grace of participating in it for his glory. So walk in humility as you build the kingdom of God. And this is the sweet spot for enjoying and watching the kingdom of God expand. You scatter the seed of the word in your field. You're faithful with the small things. You're patient and you're humbled to, to, to steward all the grace God gives you so that you can give all the glory back to him when you see those sprouts sprout up. So let's pray toward that end for us individually and for our church corporately. Father, we just want to praise you for your faithfulness now. And uh, we want to lift you up as the one who provides our every need, the one who's invited us to lead other to Jesus, who alone can save people from the penalty of their sin. So God, we just pray uh, for the different needs across this room right now, that you would be faithful to, to grow the seeds of truth planted in the hearts across this room so that you might be glorified in this life and in the, the millions and millions of years to come as we bask over all that you did to bring us back to the garden and even better. We praise you, King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name.